Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And before I bring in my guest for this show, just want to quickly mention, if you missed it, I spoke to Locked On Rockets host Jackson Gatlin a couple of days ago. The Rockets picked up a win against the Heat Saturday night since we've talked. But you'll want to listen to my conversation with Jackson as we hit on the big picture early season issues. Lots of big picture stuff to discuss with the Rockets. And, and speaking of the Locked On Network, Locked On Rockets, of course, dropping by my old pal from Locked On Texans, my co-host Brian Patterson, fresh off his trip to London to see the Texans. And so, Brian, have you have you been driving on the right side of the road since you got back? <laughs> oh, and that feels great to come back here and it, it, it be on the right side of the road. That just felt so weird, just having to enter the freeway uh, from the left side. Uh, they, they just do things uh, so differently around there. But again, the more... You know, more the more things different, the more that we we are the same. And uh, you know, I've I've heard enough British accents uh, to last me a lifetime. And uh, just just the people uh, in London were just uh, amazing. I uh, I guess uh, maybe that's just my personality. My my experiences were pretty positive. You know, just interacting with just people on the street or at a bar. Or, and, and you understood the language too. I, I yeah, hear. yeah 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 yeah. It you know it, it it's kind of different of what they call things. You know. Know, the bathroom is like the loo and then i asked you know the place i was staying well where's the shower they were like shower where, where are you talking about shower oh you're talking about the bath oh oh okay all right <laughs> yeah so you know it, you know it's stuff like that that you know they just call things a little bit different but but we are uh pretty much the same but i don't know about the is i mean i thought houston's uh air was polluted but I don't know about London. I mean, I just had this terrible cough while I was there. And as soon as I get back home, uh, it goes away. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just uh, there's, you know, nine million people that live there. You know, you've got buses, you've got, uh, you know, you got the trains, you've got all kinds of things, you know, traffic, you know, all the stuff going into the air. I just wish it was a lot more sunnier. There was only one day that it was full of sun. It was the first day I got there, and it was an amazing day. But uh, the rest of the trip, it was just pretty dark and gloomy, and it rains a lot. Kind of reminds me of Seattle. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard about London. I mean, you pretty much described everything to a T. What about the the Texans fans? You so you get there. Uh, did did you do some of the stuff with the traveling Texans, or were you c- kind of doing your own thing? It was a combination of the two because there was so much I wanted to see uh, myself. And I, honestly, I didn't get to see everything. I was in London uh, for four days. And then the last leg of the trip, I actually did go to Paris for one day. Since it's so close, uh, my friends and I, we decided to go on and make that trip uh, as well. But um, I did go to the Barrel Boy and Banker, which was the official meetup bar for all the Texas fans. It's a large bar, but still it wasn't enough for the amount of fans that were there. There were a lot of fans that traveled in, and there were a lot of fans that there is a strong British following of the Texans. And, you know, we've talked, you know, on Locked on Texans to to many. There is a following, and they were there uh, as well. So think about this. You know, you're at the bar. You're one to go in. You want to celebrate with your Texas fans. But wait a minute. There's, There's a wait outside. 
There's a 20-minute wait. I can't get in to hang out with my Texas fans. So that's wow. something they probably would do different, you know, in the future, you know, find a bigger venue. But I had to, you know, we had to wait to just get in the bar to, to hang out. I don't think I've ever had that before traveling on the road, uh, traveling Texas event. Usually what they select is going to be adequate to hold everybody. But honestly, I, since this is the first time, you do have to give them credit because they didn't know how many people would show up for this trip. But you almost have to assume that it's going to be a big uh, contention of Texans fans because, you know, this is a team with fans that usually travels uh, very well. And uh, by record, this was the longest flight I've ever taken in my life. And I really didn't feel any way different. I did get a lot of sleep on the plane, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's about eleven hours to get there from here, and the time difference just killed me when I got there. Now, once I got some sleep, because you're probably going to crash pretty hard when you get there. Uh, once you get your sleep, then you're fine. But you know, it's right now a six hour difference between here and London, so yeah, that that it really hits you once you you get there, and you're like, well, wait a minute, it's it's all almost at the end of the day and the sun goes down so early 4 30 if you're doing anything outside you need to get it done before 4 35 because you're going to lose the sun after that that was a little bit different than what i'm used to as well but i saw all of the the sites like uh, big ben the london eye the the huge ferris wheel that's right off the thames river uh westminster abbey uh, I really wanted to tour the Houses of Parliament, but I, I actually got there a day ahead of my group. I was going to wait on them, but it looked like, you know, with just us coordinating things, um, I wasn't going to be able to go. But I really wanted to tour the Houses of Parliament because I am a government I'm actually a policy wonk as well, so I I love to see how their government works. I mean, because I've toured the U.S. Capitol, I've toured the Texas Capitol, I've toured many Capitol buildings in the United States, and that would have been fascinating for me. But I'll just have to make another trip in the future and uh, and see that Buckingham Palace. So many things that uh, I, I had an opportunity to see, and the best way to get around is either you know, by the train or by the bus. Um, it does not make sense, especially if you're staying in central London, to have a car because where are you going to park it? It's just like New York where it's, parking is going to be expensive. Um, I bought myself a rail pass or one of those uh, passes that you buy for the time that you're there, and it covered everything. Uh, so I, I really, I really do, uh, you know, appreciate that, that, you know, it, it was very easy to use. And I honestly think that their rail system, their bus system, period, is a lot easier to grasp. Uh, New York is one of the toughest. And once you get New York, I think it's pretty much downhill from there. I think you could conquer uh, anything. <laughs> well, I was also going to ask you, like, the Texans fans that you met, I mean, were you meeting people from, did they come from all over the place? I'm, I'm assuming yes. it's not just like Houston and London. They were from other countries in Europe. And maybe even you saw some Texans fans that came in uh, from other states around the United States. That's right. That's right. Uh, met many fans uh, from diff different areas of the United States, but particularly for, for the most part, it was either they lived in London or they live like, in, you know, in a different uh, state, like maybe uh, Birmingham or, or whatnot. Uh, I, I did talk to some fans uh, from there uh, as well. But, uh, you know, you just have to tell if, if you get an accent when you first talk to them, then you know that they're from there and they're just there to cheer on the taxes. But, um, I'll, you know, in most cases, you know, 
uh, every every fan I talked to, they actually had made the trip from Houston to to go to London. And from from who I've talked to, I mean, it was their first time there too as well. So that's what makes it uh, extra special. But um, yeah, a, a huge British contingent of fans in in London, and I had an opportunity to converse with them all uh, at the bar at the Barrel Boy and Banker. Again, it was just so crowded. I mean, and it was hot, and I was sweating. But you know what? It was a it was a terrific time that that I had there just just conversing with everybody, just, you know, cheering on the team we love. What was their knowledge like? What was their knowledge like on the Texans? The the people that you talked to from either Great Britain or I don't know if you talked to anybody from Ireland or Scotland because we had remember we had that uh, Irish fan that was on uh, Locked On Texans with us. But what was the overall knowledge of, of the Texans? Does it seem like you were just talking to somebody that followed them that uh, was from Houston? Absolutely. You know what? Even though, you know, they're not here in Houston and there's the Atlantic Ocean separates two different countries. I mean, you're looking at 5000 miles away. They are just as connected with what's going on with the Texas as we are. That's the way I felt just talking with the fans. You know, you'd ask them a question about, you know, this injury or, you know, who's performing the best. They knew. And it just wasn't you could tell the difference between a casual fan that kind of sort of follows the Texans and, you know, fans that actually know what's going on with their team, the type of plays that we run, the offense, you know, what style, you know, are, are we running? And they knew all of that. So I, I really did felt that I, I was talking to some fans that really were in tune to what was going on. What did they think of Bill O'Brien over there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, there wasn't really any ill will or, um, you know, animosity toward Bill O'Brien. And that's probably because, you know, we're winning right now that, the, you know, they're six and three going into the bye week. I mean, you know, when we I mean, going into the season, did you think we would be at this point? I honestly thought that we were going to be, you know, eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. And that still can happen. But with as strong of many wins as we've had, you know, over these these past couple of weeks, you know, I, I think we could either match this record that we had from 2018, 11 and five, or even, even better, but uh, didn't really heal. didn't hear a lot of ill will against Bill O'Brien. Again, winning heals all of that. Uh, let's say we were losing and we were playing this game in London. I'm pretty sure there would be a criticism of Bill O'Brien, but right now, he's got a pass. He really does <laughs> while, while things are going on, while we're winning games. They're they're really intrigued by uh, Deshaun Watson, just the way um, he's able to, you know, guide this offense, which is right third, by the way, of of how this is – he is the reason why we're winning games. Oh, yeah. The offense has been fantastic. I want to get to, your th- you know, maybe some thoughts about the Texans team itself. But last thing I wanted to ask you about, about the whole experience, was just Wembley Stadium. I mean, is there tailgating? What was the game day experience like? What was that stadium like to go into? Because it's obviously – one of the legendary stadiums anywhere in the world. When I came in, because I came off the train station, the train station at Wembley Stadium is right adjacent to the entrance. So there is a long walkway. And I've got some pictures of it. I might have to post on my social media. But it was crowded, full of fans. So the the, the area, uh, you know, where you come in at, I didn't come in from where the parking was. So I honestly can't tell you how the tailgating was. But there is a strip of bars that you go through. It's it's like a whole complex. I don't know if uh, you know fans that are listening. Uh, I'm not sure, Rob, Rob if you've been to uh, Gillette Stadium uh, up in Boston uh, or up at Foxborough. But I I consider it like Patriot Place, where you've got a mix of restaurants, bars, hotels, 
all around the stadium. And that's what it looked like at Wembley. So you're walking across and you've got bars, you've got shops, you've got a Starbucks, you got see you see fans from all over hanging. And I just want to emphasize that it wasn't just Texans and Jaguars fans coming to this game. They were wearing gear from all NFL teams, uh, Seahawks. I saw just about representatives from teams uh, from all 30, uh, all all 32 of them. Excuse me. I said 30. I'm thinking NBA. Sorry. Uh, all 32 NFL teams. Uh, they're wearing their jerseys. I think the NFL is just that big. They don't care who's playing there. They they just want to see some NFL. And that is the reason why I think they're going to get a team. I don't know when it's going to be, and I know they have to work the scheduling out as far as for teams. They'll probably just have to do it like they do with the Texas, put their bye week the following week. But I really do feel that London could survive. They could have a NFL team and they would do just fine. Just kind of give you the atmosphere. Every seat completely filled. You know, with the Texas games, you've been there's going to be empty seats. The seats are sold, but they're going to be empty. They're, you're going to see them all across uh, the stadium, even for playoff games. You know, you're going to see those empty seats. Right. Well, what what percentage of them were Texans fans and, and to compare to Jags fans in the stadium? I would have to say that it was more of a 60-40 type thing. I did see a lot of Jags fans out there. And then I saw fans that were wearing there, – there was like a jersey and a cap, a corrimative cap. It was like a beanie that had both teams on there. It was, I don't know if they were selling them outside or whatever, but I saw a lot of fans, they were wearing a cap commemorating both teams. And they said, oh, I'm a fan of both the Texas and the Jags. This is just great to to have them there. But I really do think the Texas, I hope that they do come back because it seems like they were a uh, hit there. One thing I didn't know, one thing I noticed is that I don't think the British are big on concessions because when I went to go get something to eat, it was very easy for me to go get my get my food, get my beverages, go back to my seat. And it was all in a matter of about five minutes. You know, at a Texas game, you could be waiting in line for about 20 to 30 minutes. I just figured that's because the food's not as good over there. Brian. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. It was like chicken fingers and fries. And I was like, I could have it kind of tasted like, you know, you can just go to the frozen food section at H-E-B and and get something from Tyson or whoever uh, makes it. That's what it tasted like to me. But you know what? At the time, I was very hungry, and it actually tasted uh, pretty good. And they had barbecue sauce and all that good stuff. So it wasn't anything special, but I was hungry. So I'm guessing maybe they tailgated and ate before they came in. Or I I just noticed that how easy it was to walk along the concourse I felt like I had no problems because typically it gets pretty crowded. You got to elbow your way through during games, but everybody seemed to be in their seat. Now people were buying beer. They were buying, they were leaving to go buy their beer, but people actually going to buy food. I I, I just saw little of that. Yeah, of course they're buying their beer. It's it's the English. I also want to ask you because uh, you're talking about, um, the percentage of fans and how they, I'm kind of interested in how they were reacting because I remember, Brian, it seems like they know when to cheer and when to, you know, boo and all that stuff a lot better than they used to. Because if you remember in the early days when you would see the NFL games, they would get all excited when there was a kick because they came from come from, you know, soccer or, the, you know, football, as they say over there. But, you know, they would get all excited if there was a field goal or if there was a kickoff. And a couple of times in this game, I mean, you had some weird stuff happen on the kickoffs. There was a 
a block and just stuff that maybe over there it used to maybe be a big deal, but now it just doesn't see they're much better at that now, aren't they, Brian? I think so. I think they're in tune to, you know, what's going on in terms of what to cheer for, what not to cheer for. It still felt like a typical NFL game. I mean, it just wasn't anything different. Um, I went to the games in Mexico City back in 2016, and it felt more of like a soccer match uh, than anything. But this... This this actually was an environment of an NFL game, um, you know, over at uh, Estadio Azteca. I mean, you know, it was pretty rowdy, you know, people drinking beer, slinging it around, smoking, throwing things on the field. It was rowdy. And I would have to tell you, it was a really <laughs> it was one of the most fun times of my life. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But this game was more of what you would expect in an NFL game uh, of what what you would want to see as far as cheering for the right things. And, and they weren't throwing lasers in uh, Deshaun's eyes when he was oh, trying to set yeah. the ball. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I can't forget that. You can't forget that. And, you know, it's, and we should have won that game, by the way. That was uh, the Brock Osweiler years, the years that we – we want to forget. <laughs> what about the team? Let's let's talk a little football. What what do you think? I mean, we talked about this ad nauseum for two years on Locked On Texans. How what do you do with the offensive line? How do you fix the offensive line? Brian, the offensive line, if they're healthy, it's fixed. They've got it figured it out finally. I mean, that's the the big positive from this year is the Texans have a real offensive line. They do, and and Nick Martin is really coming around. Uh, we we didn't think that it was going to happen you know and I have to look at his pro football focus numbers in fact I need to get pro football focus back because uh, you know remember we had it last season but you know it's year to year so I've got to talk to him and see if we can get it back because I would really love to see how this guy uh, is doing no, I think his numbers you're, you're right I think his numbers on pro football focus have been better but I mean just the eye test I mean there's been a couple yeah, things this yeah. year where he's snapping it at a guy's foot or there were there was some stuff early in the year but he settled in and I'm not noticing Nick Martin and you're not supposed to notice the center and so that's a good thing the other thing about Nick Martin is I feel like ever since he got that extent maybe we just needed to give him an extension two or three years ago that's right that's right with three years 33 million yeah he's he's locked in now so um I I if I, I balked at the move. I was like, why do we have to give him this money now? We could have waited till after the season. Let's see how he does now. And then at the end of the season, if he deserves it, we'll go in and give it to him. But the Texans were already, you know, hell bent on giving him the money. You've got Laramie Townsend on the left side. You've got Titus Howard uh, on the right. I mean, you've got your protection on each hand. And Max Sharping has been a delightful surprise. And, you know, we had talked. I don't. I think we talked a little bit about our draft picks here, and I had a feeling that Titus and Max were going to be thrown in there because we had no choice because of the depth, but they have stood up admirably, you know, learning on the fly, you know, helping this offensive line uh, out. I mean, it took three first-round picks and a second-round pick, maybe three first-round and two second-round picks, depending on if you considered the Kenny Stills uh, for for a second-round pick more of a straight-up deal or if you consider that part of the – more getting Lermy Tunsil. But I mean, if you look at what they put in, I mean, yeah, Max Sharping's a second round, first round pick, Titus Howard, two first round picks, Lermy Tunsil. So you've invested all of that. So you, you need that stuff to, to work out, but they've got most of that. Zach Fulton is, you know, he's probably been the weak link at times, uh, you know, when there's not injuries to those other guys, but he's been, but he's, he's not somebody that you invested anything big into and yeah, you look at it and they're looking pretty strong on the offensive yeah. line, Brian, and, and you're getting exactly what you need there. And as far as I'm concerned, 
maybe you're getting what you need out of Bill O'Brien as the GM because, yeah, he's you could say he's overpaid for this and he's overpaid for that. And everybody says, oh, he spent too much on it. But it was like, you know, the Patriots did a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. If, if that's what they gave for Kenny Stills, I think Kenny Stills and Mohamed Sanu are practically a wash as far as players are concerned. So if the Patriots are doing it, then maybe Bill O'Brien wasn't that dumb. The Duke Johnson thing, I mean, you could say, oh, he really wasn't worth, you know, you don't pay a third round pick for a Duke Johnson. But, you know, the, the Texans throw away third round picks left and right. And they got a guy that's contributing, that's helping you out in the passing game, that's helping you out in the running game. It seems like every time you look up, you're like, well, Duke Johnson, he's getting six or seven yards a game, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that really has worked out. And when have you seen it where the run, the rushing attack, since Area Foster has been this strong, where you've had a running back that's just been able to bulldoze his way through? The guy is averaging 75 yards um, a game right now. Carlos Hyde, that is, uh, just with the with the way he's able to uh, make an impression, uh, you know, through the defense. He is finding the holes, and we gave up next to nothing for him. I mean, it was Martinez Rankin. We swapped him out. Uh, Martinez Rankin was about to get cut anyway, and um, you know who. And who cares on how he's doing with the Chiefs? I think he's not doing too well, but I think we got the better end of that deal, and we gave up next to nothing for that. But what I won't forget, Bill, you know, I won't forgive Bill O'Brien for the Jadavion Clowney deal. I honestly feel that that could have been handled a lot differently. Because what did you get out of it? Well, you got a third. You got a third round pick that got you a cornerback that you need badly. <laughs> so maybe that wasn't a terrible yeah. deal. <laughs> Well, well, Gary, Gary Conley, I mean, he's had his moments. I, I think his it's been mixed as far as his his uh you know his debut with the Texans, but he made a good play a couple of weeks back against the Raiders. Uh, you know, it was what it was in, in the fourth quarter. Well, you witnessed him making a big play in person uh against Jacksonville. He he made a big pass breakup inside yeah, the twenty. Yeah, I, I think that. it was in the red zone, right? Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's where right where it was, and uh, so. You know he's 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 been up and down, but he makes plays, which is the the, the biggest difference there. With the type of depth uh, that issues that we were having, I mean, he's he's a guy that you needed. They shut down Garrett Minshew and Garrett Minshew. I mean, you can say, oh, it's Garrett rookie, six round pick, blah blah blah. He's talented. The rest of the league seems to be uh, doing some stuff against with you know Garrett Minshew seems to be doing some work against the rest of the league, and the the Texans basically took care of him. I mean, it was Gary and Conley was a big part of that. I mean, look, DJ Charks, that guy's been having a good season, and the Texans shut them down. Yeah, and in Gardner Minshew, you know, you could be looking at the future quarterback for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he has really made a case uh, that he could be the man. I mean, if you didn't pay Nick Foles four years, eighty-eight million, you probably would have Gardner uh, under center. And who, who, and who's to say that? They're going to keep him around for the future. Or would he be a big piece to to trade uh, in the future? But uh, people talk about Gardner, but I've always liked his his attitude, his style, the mustache, just the whole uh, persona. But um, it's good that the lunch pail crew got to him. I mean, what was it? Four sacks. I mean, J.J. Watt wasn't there, and then these guys were able to step up uh, in 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 their plays. I mean, in yeah, his but plays. a lot. Of, give the secondary the credit there because all all the pass rush that they got pretty much was from. Just they were they were basically uh, coverage sacks. I mean that whole game, and you know the Texans. I, I don't know how they get pressure without JJ Watt. I don't know if they really can. Hopefully, you know maybe somebody like Amenahu can step forward and, and show he's got some potential. And it, it looks like he does. I really like what he's done so yeah. far. 
but still, I mean, the big thing is the secondary is going to have more pressure than they've ever had. But I, I, what do you think? Like, look, we, there's no game. We're talking on Sunday we're, during the bye. There's no game, obviously, this week for the Texans. But pretty soon, you, you, some of these guys are going to start coming back. The Bradley Robies and uh, Lonnie Johnson. Is Lonnie Johnson now maybe your fourth cornerback? Because, you know, J. Joe, you know, he's still he's still getting it done when he's out there. It's just trying to keep him out there. And Bradley Roby's done it. He's been the best cornerback, I think so far this year for the Texans, but Gary, and Con- to him. but Gary and Conley, I mean, look, Gary and Conley, he looks like the, the, he should be the third cornerback on the team over Lonnie Johnson. And I thought Lonnie Johnson had showed some rope. I mean, all of a sudden they've got depth. If you can figure out a way to re-sign Bradley Roby for the, you've got some depth going down the road and you've got some young guys at cornerback outside of J. Joe. And, and that's that's good to hear, because certainly that but we're finally able to address those issues. Now, Lonnie has had some moments where he's learning. You know, he's gave up some yards. He's given up a touchdown or two or and whatnot. But uh, I think that, you know, as time goes on, this guy is going to be uh, a key uh, quarterback on on in the secondary. But I think he's just got to learn. I didn't it was tough for me to tell whether he was going to get a lot of playing time this season just with the guys that we had out there. But it. But it looked like at a point where, you know, he was going to have to start on a regular basis. But again, they have brought in uh, Garen Conley. So he may have to take a step back and let some of these veterans work. Uh, But I really do feel that there is a bright future out there for Lonnie Johnson. I love uh, watching him play. And uh, how about Breon Body Calhoun? I don't know how long he's going to be here, but uh, he got himself a sack uh, as well. So uh, I was very impressed with that. Uh, as well, a guy that we cut uh, at the beginning of the season, but uh, found his way back because of the death issues that we were we were we were suffering from. You and I talked about how excited we were about Dylan Cole, and then he got hurt, and it was just yep. it was just never been the same since then. I'm starting to sense that maybe he's come back almost to where he's, but I he, it felt like all the momentum. It's this crazy thing in sports sometimes, Brian. It's like you you get. You get going, you get all this momentum, and then there's an injury or something like that. And this, especially in the NFL, it seems like trying to get in that groove again, especially for a young guy, is really hard. I'm hoping we're, we're going to start seeing the Dylan Cole that you and I thought we saw with a potential early in his career. A guy that could play inside and outside. I think he can rush the passer. He's He could be good in coverage. He could handle tight ends with his speed, do, do all of those type of things. Maybe we see that guy. That's a possibility as well. And I'm thinking he's getting close to contract time because uh, I think Dylan came in, if I'm not mistaken, either 2016 or 2017. I know it's getting close. So we're going to see an uptick in production for him because I know he's wanting uh, to get paid. Uh, but but certainly, yeah, you know, we a, just he, have he was a, an undrafted free agent. So I don't right. know if he's got a normal con. I forget what his deal is, but I don't know if it's a normal contract. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's getting to be that time. I don't I'm not sure where they're at on, you know, bring it back. I certainly would because I would love to see this uh, continue. Uh, but again, I, I like what they've got going because, you know, we really haven't had a name uh, for the defense, you know, for that unit. And this lunch pail crew thing is really starting to catch on, you know, with McKinney and DJ Reader and Brennan Scarlett, which a guy that's going to definitely have to step up, you know, with J.J. Watt out. Uh, but what gets me is that Whitney Merciless was really on a tear and I was definitely campaigning for him to be the most improved player 
uh, for this season. But I think there's going to be so much attention on him now that we're, we're going to see less and less of Whitney Merciless being able to get uh, to the quarterback because that was your guy creating the pressure right there. That was he had you know five and a half sacks uh, this season, uh, but he, I, I just don't see him having that type of season that I was expecting out of with J.J. Watt out because J.J. Watt created a lot of attention, which opened up Whitney Merciless uh, as well. Yeah, you can talk about guys trying to step up, but there there's no J.J. Watts. It, that's the thing. True. I mean, you, you go, oh, mm-hmm. this guy, let's get this guy to step up and that guy to step up. But when it's all said and done, these guys are all okay. They're okay. You know, they're NFL bodies. But I mean, JJ Watts, one of those guys that just kind of obviously one of the greats of all time, separates himself from everybody else. So it's going to have to be piecemeal. You're going to have to do a great job on the backside and, and try to help out the guys. And, and maybe uh, they, they start, you'll start seeing some improvement. I've kind of given up on that there's any real potential with somebody like a Carlos Watkins, who when he was drafted, we thought, well, he's a Clemson guy. He he might have some real potential mid mid round pick, but yeah, I just I don't see it now. He did have a sack, so uh, it or, or it, well, I guess officially it was it half a sack because he did he got it with Scarlet, I believe. But you know he's he's had some flashes of uh, brilliance, but and, and we certainly need him out there right now. But uh, to say that he was going to jump in and just you know over you know, overblow the competition or whatnot. I I really like Angelo Blackson because of his explosiveness. He hasn't quite gotten up to his level, but it's going to be a combination of all those guys. I mean, there is no J.J. Watt that you could replace, but if each of these guys is able to step in, including Charles Omamino, who has looked really good so far in even his rookie status, and he's only going to get better, uh, that's what you're going to see. But what I want to ask you, you know, J.J., you know, he's hurt and he's going to come back. He's going to play. He's got two seasons left on his contract. Do you see him playing beyond that contract? We know if he wants to play, it's going to be here in Houston. It would shock me if it's anywhere else. But do you see him playing beyond his contract that he's on right now, that $100 million deal? Brian's really trying to make a point. If you can hear it, that banging is that's that's Brian. <laughs> you know, you know me. <laughs> 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 yeah, JJ, I mean, it's going to depend on his health, I guess. I mean, I just there, he's not done with the contract. I think he's got a couple more years. Let let's just see what happens with that. Um, but JJ, he's not somebody that's, you know, I don't think he's the type that is going to play forever and I think these injuries probably have taken a little bit of the life out of him as well. Uh, you know, I'm not saying this is going to be an Andrew Luck situation. I just think you, you kind of put everything combined of He's getting closer and closer to having a family. I think he loves family. He puts a great focus on, you know, that he's almost about married. It's, I mean, we're, I'm expecting the engagement Instagram any second, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and his girlfriend, Kalia. And, and I mean, I just feel like, uh, yeah, it could be, he, he might only last a couple more years. I mean, if you're the Texans with not first round picks, but they're going to have to do it in the mid rounds, they're going to have to go out and find, pass rushers and you know those guys are hard to find if if you can't if you can't get them in the that's the problem of giving up all the first round picks is you don't have those to get somebody to help you out in the pass rush and that that's where they're at right now I mean you went from JJ Watt and Clown and Clowney to not much I mean there's not much left and and Merciless is somebody that can help you out if if you got a JJ or Clowney on the other side but he's not a guy that draws double teams and that's what you need 
Exactly. And, you know, Whitney Merciless is getting toward 30 as well. So, you know, that's like the magic number, you know, for for NFL players, uh, not particularly quarterbacks, because they can last a lot longer because of the rules. But you, you worry about that as well. They may be looking to the draft to replace a, a, a ton of pass rushers. You know, I don't know if you're going to ever be able to find another J.J. Watt. You just hope you can strike it big in 2021 because in 2020, that draft is pretty shot. So you're you're probably going to be looking for other things uh, to, to, to beef up uh, this team. But uh, I, I, you think about that because that's something that I imagine GM Bill, Bill O'Brien is thinking about. And honestly, I think that the structure of how this team is run it's going to stay this way until they get Nick Casario. Once Nick Casario is a free agent, they're going to hire up, and then everybody's going to be happy. All right, this is non-Texans, but I did want to get your thought on this. So far, we've seen the Rockets uh, go 6-3 and three as you and I are speaking, and they've beat up on some really crummy teams at this point in the season. It's not, oh, not been yeah. a list of great teams. I mean, it, basically all six wins are against non-playoff teams. I'll be shocked if any of those teams – or in the playoffs, but Russell Westbrook, what do you think of what you've seen from Russell Westbrook so far? Are you more excited about having him over Chris Paul, less excited about the same? I mean, is there anything that he's doing that you, I haven't seen uh, Russell Westbrook enough to know that he did this or that, or is just, is this exactly what you've expected, what you would expect it, from him? It is. It's exactly what I expected. I, but to be honest with you, I do miss Chris Paul because Chris Paul was able to, the way he was able to command the offense, you know, bringing the ball up, being able to to shout and get in each other's faces to get things set up. Uh, he's a guy that's able to, even at his advanced age in the NBA, is was able to keep things together. Russell Westbrook is extremely talented. He is terrific to watch, and he's going to get his stats. But that's that's the problem. It's like, you know, you, you have two talented guys, two quarterbacks on the team. Think of it. You have two quarterbacks on the field, and they're still trying to figure out who's bringing the ball up. I mean, James Harden is getting his. Russell, Russell Westbrook is getting his. But it's just not... I just don't see the same type of flow, uh, the type of uh, precision uh, that I'm seeing, you know, whenever, uh, you know, Chris Paul was at the helm with the guard. But the problem was, is that what I like about Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, is Chris Paul at his advanced age, like I said, he's not getting past defenders. I mean, he just is not that guy anymore. You know, he's concerned about getting hurt when he makes those drives to the basket to the bucket. You see Russell Westbrook, he is not afraid. He's going to drive either baseline or straight into the bucket and get his points. You've got a guy now, other than James Harden, that's able to do that on a regular basis and get the and one. You would count on Harden to get that that famous Harden bump or the uh you know, whatever you call it. You know, he goes in and he, he gets he gets the foul and he's able to go and create get some contact uh, created against him and able to go in and get the free throw. But you got Russell Westbrook that can do that now. So there are pros and cons to this, but I'm just noticing a different flow. Well, let, let me give you the biggest con for me. I mean, I, I, I know he can get and get those easy layups at times, and that's the thing that for sure he can get you. His passing is typical Russell Westbrook. It's either spectacular or he's throwing the ball away. Is similar yeah. to James Harden, but kind of a little bit worse than James Harden, I think. He's slightly worse at that that aspect of the game. He makes some difficult passes. He doesn't sometimes put Clint Capella in the best position with his passes. But what I, I just can't figure out is how somebody in the NBA, for as many years as he, he is, somebody that everybody 
and their mother knows, you know, if you just had a jump shot, I mean, imagine how good you would be. And somehow Russell Westbrook has gotten worse at his jump shot over the years. I, I don't know if there's been anybody in NBA history, Brian, that's actually got a superstar that's gotten worse over the years at hitting open jump shots than Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's 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 such a unique player. And uh, again, he wasn't highly touted when he came out of UCLA. So everything that yeah, he's he was doing a top right 10 now, pick. I mean, he was that touted enough to be top 10. I mean, I that's. For me, that's I mean, I, I, I nobody I don't know if anybody was expecting him to be this type of player, the guy that could get a triple double every year. But I just I watch him and it's kind of what I thought from watching afar. He's going to get you the triple double. But is he going to get you triple doubles just because he's out on the floor for 40 minutes and because he's very athletic? So, yeah, he's going to be able to out jump guys for rebounds and out athletic guys for rebounds. So he's going to get those 10 rebounds that way. He's going to get the assist. Is he getting the assist because uh, he's making a ton of great passes or is he getting assist because he always has the ball? And as soon as he passes it to you, you better shoot because you're probably wide open. And is he getting the points because he's just taking way more shots than anybody else, even though he doesn't make a good percentage of his shots other than the layups? That's what I thought about Russell Westbrook before he got here. And that's kind of who he looks like to, he is to me. Yeah, yeah. The end of the NBA draft is overrated. You know, it's where the, it's where the undrafted are at anyway. You know that. Uh, but, uh, but they both combine. You know, the thing about you know both of them together on the court is they're going to have to solve this turnover thing. Uh, they both combined for thirteen turnovers last night because, like you said, you know, either he's going to make that great pass or he's going to throw it away. That's going to cost you uh, in in the long run in in terms of us being a team that is going to be able to to do great things together right now what i'm seeing if this defense doesn't get shored up because we're uh the rockets are 29th in defensive efficiency right now the warriors are right behind them well, they, two teams. They, but, but to be fair they've looked better the last couple of games they're terrible teams that they're playing but they've looked better and i, I think the reason why they've looked better and, and and as i mentioned this in the interview in the in the podcast that we just put up with jackson it's because they're, they've slowed the pace down. I just don't think they, they can't play at a fast pace and be a good defense. They don't have the athletes. They don't have the depth. They don't have the young guys. You need young guys to be really good. And, and James Harden defensively, he's bad enough when, when you're going at a regular speed, but now he's got to rest even more because if you're having more possessions, there's means more defensive possessions, which means he's resting even more on defense than he normally does. I, I just think they're going to be better with what they're doing the last two or three games, which is slowing the pace down. Because I think other than Russell Westbrook, there's not anybody on this team that I'm really excited to see playing full. I mean, Capella runs the floor occasionally, but you could still get those baskets. But you, you, otherwise, right. you just got to slow the pace down. Exactly. And just foreshadowing, you know, what this team can do together, you know, with Russell Westbrook, I see a very good team, but is it a team that can win the big one? Can it win the championship against what we have uh, this season? And I honestly can't answer that question, honestly, and say we are uh, that the Houston Rockets are, are going to win a lot of games. Uh, it'll probably be close to 50, maybe a little bit over that. But just with the things I'm seeing now early, and I hope, I hope that they are able to change my mind. Um, I, I see this team bowing out. They will make the playoffs, but it may be an early exit because they, they just can't continue to play like they've had and expect to get all the way to, you know, to the promised land. Not not with uh, Russell Westbrook here. I, I just, I'm not seeing it. I think what 
you know, Tillman and Daryl Morey decided is, is that we do need to make some changes. We still need to have a competitive product to watch, but is it championship caliber? Some moves still have to be made. I just don't think that the supporting cast uh, is right where it needs to be to support what Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden right now. And, and it's it's definitely a travesty. It's sad, but it's the way I feel. I, I just don't feel in my heart that this is the team that is going to win a third NBA title. Your team with Chris Paul, you know, just two seasons ago, we're just one hamstring injury away. That was a championship team right there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and, and I still look at the Clippers. I mean, I, I have to agree with everybody about the Clippers. That they're the team to to beat if they're healthy, if they can keep George and Kawhi on the floor, and even Pat Beverly. I mean, there's just this this assumption that oh, Pat Beverly is going to be there for the playoffs, and the Rockets, you know, went through a ton of playoffs where Pat Beverly couldn't be healthy for the whole. And you got to be healthy not just for eight games or. 12, you, you have to win 16 games and go through a bunch of rounds. And I'm anxious to see if Pat Beverly can withstand that. And the Lakers look actually way better than I thought that they would look at this point. But let me ask you about House of Houston uh, before we wrap it up, because uh, you've got your work over on House of Houston. I see you've got something on, on Daniel House and Bradley Roby. Uh, any particular story that you're excited about people people need to check out? Um, I would definitely have you check out a story, uh, Paul Conlon, which, uh, yeah, he just came on, uh, to the website, uh, one of, of a terrific writer and all, all, all the writers at house of Houston are, are terrific, but he really put out a good piece that he digged in on, you know, comparing the case for Verlander and Cole to win the Cy Young. That announcement's going to be Wednesday. So we're going to know who wins. And I know a lot of Astros fans are like, I don't care. You know, we were a couple innings away from winning the World Series, the second World Series title for the franchise. But this is an important award too, regardless of what happens to Garrett Cole. And I, I implore you to read that because he really goes into death. He does a lot of research. So check it out on houseofhouston.com. But then I've got some stuff up on Roby. I wrote about Daniel House uh, last night. Just a lot of great stuff coming up on houseofhouston.com. And the winter meetings are this week, so we are going to be covering that. And uh, let's hope that the Astros are going to work to try to to, to beef up the uh, starting pitching because that is definitely a priority for this winter. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they don't have a whole lot of money if you start looking at where they are yeah. as far as arbitration guys and uh, who they're going to be under. I mean, it's 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 a lot more complicated, and I think fans just oh, just spend the money, get what you know what. No, no, that's not it's, it's not how it works in, in pro sports, unfortunately. But it's There's uh, a luxury house, tax. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it's it's at House of Houston at HouseofHouston dot com House of Houston a fan sided affiliate. And I'm assuming in the next couple of days, we're going to see some Brian Patterson pictures from London up on your Instagram, which is what? BRKP1999 uh, on Instagram? That is correct. My London pictures are already up, but um, I've still got to get the Paris ones up. That's a whole nother uh, set of pictures, but feel free to view at your pleasure. Give me a follow. I do follow back. So if you're a Texas fan and you just want to follow me, you know, I, I'd love to travel to see my team. You'll see that on my feed. Uh, feel free to be to follow there on Twitter, uh, you know, on Facebook. Just look me up, Brian Patterson. It's going to be a picture of me running because I love to run. So yeah, just go on and uh, send me a friend request as well because, you know, you know, we could talk about everything. You know, I love to chew the fat on my favorite teams here in Houston. Yeah, good to catch up with you, brother. Uh, just before we talked, it's funny, I, it's a little Rockets aside, just before we talk, you remember Chase Budinger? Yes. Yes, I do. He is now, I was watching NBA TV, and he is now a professional volleyball player. Remember, he, he played 
volleyball in high school is really good. He's now a pro volleyball player. He's trying to be an Olympic beach volleyball player. Uh, it's going to be, should be fun. W- w- what if we could see Chase Buttinger with a gold medal, not in basketball, but in beach volleyball, that'd be something. That would be, that would be awesome. That would be exciting. And, uh, and uh, he's not too, I, I think he's still in his twenties or. Yeah, he, he's, he's closing it. He's like, I think he's about 28 to 30. I, I can't remember. But the thing about Chase Buttinger, people forget it seems like he would be a great guy to have right now in in modern basketball, because I looked at his career three point percentage and it was 35%. And I, I, you know, we used to just consider, you know, well, 40% you're good, but when you do the analytics and you break it down, they now consider, I think 35% is great because that's in essence being over a 50% uh, two point percentage. Uh, so Chase Buttinger, you, you kind of figured he, he should have stuck around a little bit longer. He was, you know, 43% overall, but 35% from three great athlete. He could finish at the rim. I, I guess the, the the big thing that he just couldn't do all that great was he, he wasn't a really good defensive player and he wasn't that great of a, I mean, considering his leaping ability and his size, I think his per 36 rebounding was not even up to six per game, which considering everything else you figured it would have been a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, again, he was one of my favorite players uh, coming up on that team. He, what we drafted him in 2009. Um, that was during the period where there, you know, we, we were just getting um, away from the Yao and T-Mac era, just kind of in between before James Harden, those teams were still fun to watch. They didn't make the playoffs, but Chase Buttinger was a big part of those. And boy, he was hitting those threes at a at an amazing clip. And uh, yeah, that that is just great to hear that he's going to do that. That he has decided that hey, my career doesn't end here. I'm going to reinvent myself and try to uh, compete in the Olympics. And it's right around the corner. So the best of wishes to him. This is awesome. Yeah, that that'd be something. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know my beach volleyball stats or you know who's who's out there that he's gonna have to challenge to get on the olympic volleyball team but yeah best of luck to chase and uh great to catch up with you man it's it's been too long yes absolutely you know we've got to do this again you know this isn't this isn't the last one we've got to do this again because it's always a pleasure to chat with you all right brian patterson house of houston go check out his work go check out his photos from london and everything else that's going on we will talk to you down the road Uh, Hopefully pretty soon again with my co-host, my partner, Stephen Kerr, who's on vacation. He might be listening. So hello to Stephen. We'll talk to you again soon, Stephen. Take care, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hi.